Hey, I'm Laurie. Hello, I'm Phil. You know, I want to say right at the top here that we're recording this episode in the morning. Normally that's not the case, so <laughs> I'm worried, Phil, that we're going to be all over the place because I've got like a twitchy eye. My eye's been twitching for three days straight. Yeah, it does look a bit wobbly right now on the old Zoom call. Does it? <laughs> on Zoom it does. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to all hear I that. All I see is I always think whenever... <laughs> bird in your face. <laughs> yeah. I do worry on Zoom meetings. I think maybe it's because of the room I'm in. I think the bags under my eyes are just, like, amplified by this whole thing. I'd like to think that my cheery disposition can uh, sort of uh, overcome that in person, but not on Zoom. <laughs> You've got to take off the self-view, but it's it feels like you're losing all sense of do self. Do you take off the self-view? I try to, but I, I normally cave in about halfway through a call just because I'm worried Stare at yourself my hair is meeting. doing a weird flappy thing or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah. You look exactly like yourself. It's all good. Don't worry. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Hey, welcome back. Thanks very much for joining us here on Flicks and Film. We've got actually way too much stuff to talk about. I'm glad about that, Phil, because uh, when we started this show again, you know, we're not making an effort to see films all the time and we're, we're shorter on time than we ever have been. But I feel like we're watching more somehow. What's that about? I think it's maybe because we're like, oh, let's watch this and give it a go. It'll be fun to talk about on a podcast. I think that might be part maybe of it. Maybe that's what it is. We, we've got to have the appetite ready and willing for and you need, you need if you're going to eat food if you're going to run a race aren't you that's the the analogy I'm going to use <laughs> we're starting with the overly wrought metaphors too early <laughs> okay. again um, look I'm going to talk about Love and Monsters I had forgotten about it last week but I'm delighted to talk about it this week Netflix is making a fuss about it from the producers of Stranger Things starring Dylan O'Brien um, is it good is it bad it's certainly got nominated for an Oscar uh, we'll come on to that in a bit um, and I also want to talk to you about another film I saw called Escape from Pretoria I saw this last night out of nowhere took a chance on it and I sort of don't want to spoil any details um, now <laughs> so I'll come to it in a bit I know nothing about that film so I'm interested Good. just in the name it's quite an unusual name anyway um, I'm going to be talking exactly. about Boy State which is an Apple TV original documentary which I uh, watched and I think if you do have access to Apple TV you should maybe check it out I'll tell you more in a mo. and also another Apple TV thing I'm trying to make use of the free year they gave me when I bought mm. my phone and uh, it, I watched Ted Lasso Jason Sudeikis uh, playing an American sports coach who gets shipped over to England to coach Richmond AFC uh, yeah so I'll I talk think about I things. saw the uh, origin of this I'm pretty sure it was just an SNL sketch at one point or even a freestanding sketch I think it Jason was a commercial Sudeikis. they did it as a TV commercial or maybe it was for Sky or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's let's talk about that when we come to it. You, you and your Apple TV, you're a bit weird, man. I know. That, <laughs> I logged on well, to Apple TV. Well, I wanted to talk about that because it's it's so strange <laughs> that like they're trying to do the TV thing and they're so successful with the phones and yet people are like, oh, yeah, I, 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 is Apple Well, something? I think there's, all, yeah. there's all sorts of reasons why that's the case. Okay, well, we'll come to that. We won't spoil it all at the beginning here, much as I would like to just ramble at you, Phil. <laughs> um, and there, there are other things we've got on our list that I just don't know that we're going to have time to squeeze in. We're going to try and up our professional game and not talk about things that then don't make it into, <laughs> into the episode. So instead, I'll leave those as joyful surprises if it looks like we do have time. Yeah. Uh, anything else to say, Phil, or should we dive in? I think we're good to go. So should I do my Jean-Luc Picard impression? Yeah, do it. Engage. Love and Monsters um, appeared as the Netflix sort of recommended film when we logged in one day. And I didn't know it had been nominated for an Oscar until after I'd, I'd seen this film. Because to be honest, the thing that most appealed to me about it, the thing that got me to watch it, is the pure Dylan O'Brien factor. Are you a Dylan O'Brien <laughs> fan, Phil? you might be the only person on the planet who has a Dylan O'Brien factor. I know You him. know, you could not be more wrong about I that. I know that him. You're so wrong about from that. From that teen YA novel adapted film, I can't remember, it was something like Heat Wave. Maze what Runner. Was, 
Maze Runner, that was it. Yeah, Maze Runner. Yeah, I saw yeah, yeah. Maze Runner and uh, I thought, fair play to him. He did quite a good jog, job. Um, he did an excellent job, Phil. The fact that you even um, <laughs> I'm introduced sorry, Maze Club. Runner. I'm sorry, no, no, no. Club. Hey, shut, shut up, man. <laughs> and the, fa- the fact that you introduced it as a young adult thing you can't even remember the name of shows you that the Maze Runner in and of itself is just incredibly bland and the classic young adult fair. But you knew that Dylan O'Brien was in it, and you're right. He is the, I think he's the only reason that film survived to have, I think, in the end, four films made about it. Um, I think they split the final book into two or something. As is tradition. And there's yeah. something about, yeah, there's something about this guy where he can give credibility, kind of movie uh, credibility as opposed to realistic credibility, to slightly bizarre fun set pieces which therefore makes him a, a perfect choice for love and monsters he was teen wolf which I, I haven't ever seen i think it must have been big in america he's also in new girl actually where he plays a guy coming to terms with his sexuality it's quite a funny episode that one and a short-lived what well, i suspect will be a short-lived runner's mitch rap uh in american assassin do you remember when i read that film was he in oh, that very very middle of the road yeah he was the american assassin that was him mitch rap yeah wow. terrible name mitch rap Anyway, I think this guy is genuinely talented. I think he's super charismatic. I think he's like a less um, sort of headline grabbing Zac Efron in terms of his ability uh, on screen. So you should take that seriously and don't just take my word for it. Let me tell you actually about the film before Phil could insultingly make more fan club jokes. Um, I want to show you a YouTube short that he did where he plays Dylan O'Brien out of work for nine months in Hollywood trying to get an audition for Frozen 2. It's very funny. I'll send that to you in a minute. Um, but yeah, this this film was so... Uh, immediately the trailer kind of drew me in. Tell me that the little feature out on Netflix didn't make you think, oh, I should give that a go. Uh, yeah, it did. It was, it was him chatting about the state of the world using nice little hand-drawn... Um, animatronics and not animatronics, but you know what I mean. Little anime uh, drawings, yeah, drawings, hand drawn drawings, yeah, hand drawn drawings, and uh, all about the setup of the world. You know that they blew up a big asteroid, but that made lots of big monsters, and ninety five percent of the planet is now wiped out. Yeah, more or less. In fact, before I say anything else, why don't we just play a trailer? That's a good way to always go, a good way it? to tell people about movies, isn't it? Don't move. Let me see it. Don't move, Amy. Let me see it. Okay, ready. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's super sweet because it's terrible. <laughs> oh my god. Where have you been, Joel? Amy, I love you. I'm gonna come find you. The day of the monster uprising was the day I lost everyone. Only a small fraction of humanity survived to move underground. I've been scanning for Amy the entire time. And now I finally found her. Joel! Hey! Joel! Amy! Is that you? Oh my god! Hey! How far away is Amy's colony? 85 miles. It's an impossible journey. Everything will try to kill you. Don't fight. Just run and hide. Uh, okay. You all alone? Me too. You don't have to talk about it. You want to come with me? Is that a samurai sword? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Listen to your instincts out here, man. What if I have terrible instincts? You'll die. Super encouraging speech. You made it all this way for a girl, huh? You ever hear the term fool's errand? 
Okay, um, just a couple of things to say straight away after that trailer. Don't watch it. <laughs> Number one, I wouldn't watch that trailer if, I, if you haven't seen the film yet, because I think so many of the things it shows are much better left to uh, see in the film itself, um, because this is kind of a low-impact film. It's mid-budget. It's about $30 million. And for that very reason, you're so much better off letting the story tell it in its own uh, its its own pace and in its own way. Um, you haven't. Phil's looking a bit <laughs> crestfallen now because I just made him watch it. No, no, uh, no. I actually zooms. Thought, I actually share. thought it looked pretty good. What made me crestfallen was uh, realizing I also saw what you were looking at during the trailer because we were sharing our screen, and I realized you worked out that the the person who wrote this film was also involved in a film called Monster Trucks. Oh, Which... Phil, I can't believe you shouldn't. I should have stopped my screen share. I forgot, of course. You watched everything I was doing. That's shush. I'm going to bring that back later and you act surprised. I was so delighted when I saw that little factoid. Let's stick to the, let's stick to the filming question. Look, this is, I think you can hear it from the, mu- uh, from the trailer there. It actually slightly annoying. They used is that's the clash, isn't it? Um, that song, because now I worry that we'll get copyright claim just for playing the trailer, but that's a whole other issue. Um, it's, uh, it's super upbeat. Um, it's no surprise that coming from the producers of Stranger Things, there's almost a retro vibe to this. Um, there's a bit of a uh, mix between practical and special effects, and it's a kind of classic genre piece. It's a small-scale idea, you know, despite the post-apocalyptic nature of it. <laughs> so there's an asteroid, and uh, Earth sent missiles up to destroy the asteroid so it couldn't collide with the Earth. Then the chemicals that rained down turned cold-blooded creatures on the Earth into monsters. They gradually mutated and became undefeatable beasts that even the army couldn't topple. And so humans have been driven underground into old shelters and everything else. And they live a kind of bow and arrow slash kind of a vaguely techie existence. It's kind of on the line between, oddly enough, like steampunk and cyberpunk and uh, nature. I can't really put my finger on it. I guess post-apocalyptic is probably right. Um, but it reminds me a bit of the Lost um, the lost Boys or whoever they are in Hook <laughs> with their bangerang gear mixed with like technology and scanners and that sort of thing. It's, an, it's a really nice kind of aesthetic. And the basic premise is that Dylan O'Brien's character is alone. He feels like a fifth, sixth, seventh wheel to all these people he he's sharing a bunker with who've coupled up and found someone and he's missing his family. He's missing his uh, girlfriend who he was, you know, with just before disaster struck and they went into hiding and he just generally feels a bit isolated and a bit useless. He's the chef in this bunker because he freezes up whenever it's time to go out and hunt for food. Whenever he's confronted with one of these monsters, he just doesn't seem to know what to do. And they all love him in the little bunker, but they recognise that he kind of just needs to stay inside all the time because he's a bit useless. And he thinks, you know what? It's my life-defining moment. Instead, I'm going to go on the seven-day-long overland trek to try and meet up with my girlfriend's bunker um, and try and survive in this terrifying world that even the army couldn't sort of deal with. Um, and then off he goes, trying to survive. It's a really, really, it's simple, isn't it? You can hear that. It's quite a simple premise. Just a journey, um, a bit of self-discovery, 
with some jokes along the way. The the big fuss is the Oscar-nominated effect. Sorry, Phil, you want to cut in and I'm just steamrolling. It's this <laughs> you... one second delay on Zoom. <laughs> That's what it is. Well, the thing was, I was going to say, is it seems to remind me most of all of Zombieland. Do you remember Jesse Eisenberg and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Woody Harrelson? Um, that same Very sort of, similar. Very yeah. similar kind of structure. Not necessarily the ideas, but the sort of kind of core components that same sort of vibe is that similar i think tone a tone is quite similar as well although i'd say zombie land um is more on the it's a bit more horror comedy than this is because it uses some sort of gross um body horror stuff doesn't it zombie land it being a zombie film which this doesn't this is monsters and it's kind of silly monsters really i'm not going to tell you the kind of monsters that appear because as i say i think you're better off letting the film do that because that central premise oh cold-blooded creatures get turned into monsters Part of the fun is thinking, what is he going to see next? And what is what cold-blooded right. animal was that originally okay. before it became became this thing? Um, so, yeah, you're, you're dead right to draw that parallel, and a lot of people have. Um, I think it's a really charming cast. I've already said all I need to say about Dylan O'Brien. He's just very good in this role. Um, and he meets Yondu off of Guardians of the Galaxy, played by Michael Rooker. That's the guy um, who's a kind of grizzled, tough adventurer that he learns a lot of things from, who's there with a, a young girl as well, who's also uh, learning to survive and shoot bows and arrows. And it's just a really nice kind of gentle way for him to figure out who he is because he's kind of got arrested development, right? He um, had to go into an underground bunker before he really emerged as a man, as a kind of grown-up. He was in his teenage years. And so it's just a really nice device for him figuring out. And that's the kind of Stranger Things link because Stranger Things is a lot about that. You've got these kids who are kind of um, discovering things about themselves and what it is to be like to have relationships and to take life seriously, but in the context of a monstrous dimension that really accelerates it all. I kind of get the sense that it's a really good premise, good characters, obviously brilliantly acted by Dylan O, whatever his name is. He's, uh, just, very, he's just really well cast. What it, I'm yeah. curious of is often I find with Netflix productions is that the ideas are very good to start with, but they have no finishing... Uh, moves nothing really to kind of tie it up at the end to make it a satisfying film they often feel 70 percent baked at best does this, this film have that's that interesting problem? well look you've uh one word in there you uh you hit the nail on the head and i'm going to come back to that in a minute um i just want to say overall that i think this is really entertaining it has i think the best dog acting i've ever seen wow um, high praise simple sim- I mean, the most sympathetic dog I think I think you will see in a film all year. So much so that one of our good friends um, said when we saw them at the weekend, they're like, oh, I've been thinking of getting a dog. I think now's the time to get a dog. Um, and I said, oh, you know what? I saw a, a film the other day um, that had, I think, uh, the most amazing dog in it. That almost made me think time to get a dog. Uh, it was Love of Monsters. Said, That's the dog. That's the reason. <laughs> and so it's That's not just so a theory. Funny. Someone is actually going to get a dog <laughs> because they saw this film. Uh, it's an Australian Kelpie, apparently. Um, there is, and this is one of the companions for Dylan O'Brien, O'Brien on this journey. And there's a lot of that, a boy and his dog surviving against right. terrible odd stuff going on. There's very little about it that you won't like. And I think you'll get swept by it, swept along by it. The visual effects, as I was starting to say, are good, except for one major element, which they make quite a lot of. One of the monsters, I really think, looks bad. And so I'm a bit surprised that it was Oscar nominated. In fact, it did not win the Oscar. I can't remember. Um, but it was certainly nominated for Best Visual Effects. I, I don't think it's, it excels in that area. But I think overall, it is great to look at. Um, but you're right, Phil. There is a slight issue with it on the whole, um, which is that amidst all the funniness and uh, the nice design and the, and, the, and the feels, there is something unsatisfying about it. 
by the end. I don't want to give it away. And I certainly don't want this to be to get in your way of watching it and enjoying it. But suffice it to say, what we were talking about last week um, with Marvel and the need for screenwriters to always leave doors open yeah. for the potential to serialise something, I thought it was pretty obvious in this film and uh, kind of annoying. And you, you'll get to a, a certain threshold in the film and you realise it's wrapping up and you think, oh, hang on, I could do a whole other hour of this. Which is a testament to the quality of the actual production, mm. but a slight frustration in taking this on its own terms. But then I would say that it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, so it isn't really on its own terms in that way, is it? Mm. There's no way that they're not thinking about a sequel because that's just their business, isn't it? Yeah, crank out content, and if it starts hitting with audiences, you crank out some more and you just keep on going where people want to watch. Uh, they go with So the in other words, I think that is they're probably happy with that. They're probably happy that it has a slightly unsatisfying uh, note to it at a certain point. Um, yeah, all in all, just really, really good. Um, I, I had a great great time with it. And the bombshell I was going to hit you with, <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the writing for it because uh, actually the reason I did this, Phil, is because there's quite a bit of narration from Dylan O'Brien and some of it's a bit annoying. Like the introduction is all those hand-drawn things popping up and that's because Dylan O'Brien's character, because he's not much use in a fight, has become like a chronicler of these monsters Got and their you. weaknesses. Yeah. So he writes like a monster diary, which he hopes is going like to help other people survive. Exactly like a Pokedex. That's well said. It doesn't talk on its own. Uh, Here we have. But his narration is a little bit nauseating. It has that slight tone of, I'm a quirky guy and here are my quirky thoughts. And that turns me off. I don't know about you, Phil. You're not a fan of the quirky guy? <laughs> Just when it's manufactured in that way, it's kind of like, uh, oh, I can't even think of a good example, but it grates if you have more than a minute of it and there's too much of it. Um, okay. There's too much kind of ironic, this is how a 13-year-old would tweet about this situation. Is it like... If they weren't actually in mortal danger. They're yeah. trying to sort of talk like the young kids, a bit like yeah, yeah. how everyone so- sort of tried to copy Juno after Juno came out, that sort yeah, of yeah. vibe. Yeah, quite a lot like Super that. Super smart, but not. Yeah, you kind of buy it because that's his character a little bit. He's slightly happy-go-lucky, even though he's dealing with a lot of serious things. And the fact that his character is consistent throughout the film in that way helps sell it, but it doesn't make you warm to the character. Fortunately, many other things do. Um, and so, yeah, that is obviously is part of the brainchild of this guy, Matthew Robinson, who is the writer or story by, as IMDb calls it, uh, Monster Trucks, another film with actually quite a similar aesthetic and style that I think is one of the most underrated films uh, I've seen in a long time. I think Monster Truck is sort of is one of your out there on a limb as a critic. You have said unashamedly how good it is, and for those of you I who think don't it's know, brilliant. I what, really love it. Yeah, what Monster Trucks is? It's a family film where you literally take the title and make it mean what it is so monster and truck <laughs> and there you have the idea for a film and laurie was a big fan of it you said everyone should watch it i haven't watched it so i'm not the, the, judge, but, but i'm not a fan of it because of that because of the concept i'm a massive fan of what they did with it it is filmmaking because that concept as you say a monster that lives in a truck <laughs> and drives it around for you is so dumb that you can there are so many ways to make that concept really awful and so i was dazzled at their ability to make it a heartwarming film that genuinely tackled um, real things and had that kind of beautiful 80s genre piece vibe that I think Love and Monsters also has. Like, it doesn't surprise me at all that there's a shared connection between those two films. It's all about the main character in Love and Monsters, man. When he's looking at this family of monsters and his own dad has let him down in his life, like, oh, 
even if I talk about it too much, I'll just start crying again. Is this, <laughs> again. You, you just said love uh, monsters. You mean monster truck? Is I, that the monster? No, I'm talking about monster trucks. Look, okay. well, I'm so all over the place. You can tell we're recording this in the morning with my twitchy eye. I think I've said all I need to say, really, and not said it very well. I really think this is worth a go. It's not that long. Um, it's really enjoyable. Well, there but you go. A slight notice and unsatisfyingness at the end. Well, there you go, listeners. I think that means it's over to you. If you want to watch Love of Monsters or you have already, get in touch and give Laurie a plus one or a minus one if you agree with him or disagree with him. Flixandfilm at gmail.com or at Flicks and Films on Twitter. Let us know your thoughts and your scores of Laurie's opinion. Yes, please do. Phil, you need to do this as well. And partly because this is one of those mid-budget films you always say doesn't get made anymore. Netflix is stepping into that breach. 30 million is pretty middle budget, especially for one with as much uh, effects as this. Come on, future's bright. I have already decided I'm going to recommend it to my wife and she's going to say... Yeah, maybe. <laughs> she'll she'll enjoy it. Jude and I watched it together. She liked it too. I think Ellie will like this. Okay, I will give it a good recommendation and then I'll give you Ellie's thoughts as well. Oh, good. I like that, yeah. All right, let's move on. Right, we've done Netflix over to the world of Apple TV. Uh, a slightly what? world? <laughs> What's you mean that over shadowy to the place? Tiny little, <laughs> tiny little village. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You must never go there. <laughs> Apple um, TV. I tell think, us about it. Has had some big production stuff that lots of people have ignored. Um, one of them, which I think has been uh, critically touted, uh, but hasn't necessarily picked up a big sort of swell of support in the UK especially is Ted Lasso. Uh, This is Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso, uh, an American uh, football coach as in the football where they wear big pads and shoulder pads and bash each other, uh, moving over to England to be the coach of Richmond AFC uh, who are in threat of being relegated. Um, As you say, Laurie, I remember a long, long time ago, Ted Lasso or this character of somebody being in charge, an American coach being in charge of a British uh, soccer team, football team, um, as a kind of commercial or something or a digital short or something like that. And I remember thinking... I've got it in front of me. Seven years ago, Phil, NBC Sports Network. It was an advert for NBC, an American coach in London, NBC Sports Premier League film featuring Jason Sudeikis. So Look it up. It's a long time ago, but I remember thinking, oh, that's quite fun. That's a good, that's kind of a nice idea. It was well-rounded. And I believe Jason Sudeikis is a, fa- a fan of football, as in British football. So it kind of comes from a good place. It's not sort of America just being like, <laughs> isn't it funny that they kick a football? Um, it's not like that it's sort of more poking fun at americans and their version of sports yeah, yeah. which has been highlighted in the in the news with all the european super league or whatever all this sort of oh, franchises man, what a story well exactly we're Don't not gonna get, get into it but started. it's kind of a nice backdrop <laughs> for all of this stuff going on because you have an american um out of, a fish out of water essentially um i'm gonna play a trailer if we can uh, just so you can get a sense of the vibe of the film and then i'm gonna give you my uh, twist to make you understand it even more. Oi, mate, there's you. I believe it is. Wicked. You coaching football. You are a legend for doing something so stupid. I mean, it's mental. They're going to murder you. This is a bit of news from the other side of the Atlantic. AFC Richmond announced the hiring of their new manager, American football coach Ted Lasso. You're an American who's now in charge of a football club despite possessing very little knowledge of the game. I know that AFC Richmond is going to give you everything they got, win or lose. Or tie. Right, y'all do ties here. Did you see that? He must be from England, yeah. Wales, then another country? Yes and no. How many countries are in this country? Four. Like it or not, Richmond are changing the way we do things. And from now on, that way is the lasso way. Hey, look, this car's got an invisible steering wheel. 
What you're doing is irresponsible. This club actually means something to this town. You don't think I see that every day out there on the streets? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I think that's what it's all about. Embracing change. Same thing! Being brave. Your decision to bench Jamie was a masterstroke. I don't think we're allowed to talk like that at work anymore. You got no fear of the other dog. For me, success is not about the wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellas be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. No, thank you. Welcome to England. Mixed feelings. Uh, may I say, Phil, based on that trailer, that last joke, if I hear another joke about Britain and people who like tea, and what's this funny drink? What do you guys drink from leaves? Oh, tea? Yes, please, sir. I've had enough. Okay, I get you. And I, that's why I'm <laughs> here to say it isn't like that aspect. Take all the good why things. Why do people think we want to see that? In no, 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 no. Goodness no. sake. Let me, let me, let me do my job. <laughs> okay. I've seen the whole thing, 10 episodes. And I loved it. I absolutely loved this show. Okay. Because, okay. and this is going to surprise you, Laurie, it reminded me of Paddington. Now, oh, really? Those of you, those of you who are, um, who've been listening to the podcast for a long time, I feel like I'm the only person in all of England who didn't like the Paddington films. Um, yes. But what everyone said to me was, oh, it's so nice. Paddington's so nice. It's such a heartwarming, touching, uh, film where niceness matters and, and people's good nature wins out in the end and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and it can be transformative and it's just a nice space to be in and charming. I didn't get it for Paddington. Paddington for me, I didn't. I found him irritating because he was so hapless, uh, and everything just seemed to work out for him in the end. And yet, Paddington one or two or both. Both. I both. I, I got, wasn't so keen on one. Both oh, of them. No, I'm not Phil. a fan of Paddington. I think Hugh Grant was the only <laughs> thing which I thought was genuinely good in, uh, in any of them. That, yeah. But um, I know that's a controversial opinion. But I think that the things that people were saying about Paddington apply in a more nuanced, better way in Ted Lasso because he is American and he is a bit out of water a fish out of water and he is a bit clumsy and foolish and he doesn't know what he's doing in this context and yet his character is so charming and warming and um and it just is undefeatable in the face of very i think authentic british football fans uh that i i think it's something that will wash over you and just be a nice space for you to be in uh, for 10 episodes of charming funny good-natured stories so i really think if you want to watch a show that isn't isn't super heavy isn't gonna uh weigh you down with drama and deep themes i think this show is really gonna work for quite a lot of people i think it could have a large wide reach of appeal and i really think it's worth your time jason sudeikis i think when you watch that short he did uh seven years ago as it turns out you think, oh, okay, this is a fun character, but can you possibly make this into a character that leads a whole TV show? I think credit to him because he just div- delivers every single aspect of this character so sincerely and authentically that you you can't help but sort of be won over by him. I initially was like, oh, I'm not sure about this show. I well, just the, I was going to say, it. man, because it's a big deal for you because you're not a Jason Sudeikis fan, are you? No. I think I've pre- I've said he's decent before. Um, there's a film with Anne Hathaway I can never remember the name of, and um, which I thought he was brilliant in. Um, I, quite, I think he's quite underrated and understated as well. He's uh, he's funny, but he's it sort of sneaks up on you. Yes, and I think that is the kind of humour that this 
show really gets. I, I hesitate to make this comparison because I don't think it's like it, but it has a similar sort of gentleness that is appreciated as Gavin and Stacey. I don't know if you've ever watched Gavin and Stacey. It's not, it's not the same humour, but there's a sort of a quietness to the humour that I really appreciated and enjoyed. There was multiple times throughout the 10 episodes that I was laughing at... Um, at kind of genuinely laughing not just like her but like a proper like actual guttural laugh which i thought wow this is genuinely funny like really clever witty lines there's a couple of characters in there um he's got another coach with him who's his sort of serious counterpart uh, counterpart uh coach beard um who just is, is is again very not british but works with ted lasso but you kind of think gives him some sort of credibility as a coaching team and then also you've got the kit manager who is nate played by nick uh muhammad who um you might have seen on take um eight out of ten cats do countdown as one of the kind of alternative comedian guests um he was like a magician but he plays the uh, uh the assistant the kind of kit manager and he he's got a really funny sort of vibe about him again very understated he he has good ideas but um but is often overlooked the one thing which i would say is frustrating about the show is um because it's trying to deal with footballers and they talk like this footballers yeah there's a couple of characters that are just annoyingly I think is it like that cup of tea gag? Is it just kind of oh come on, you wheeled this one out from thirty? 30 yeah, years but not ago. to the same extent. Reduce that by about thirty percent, and you get that. There's a couple of characters in terms of how they're presented, which is great as a British viewer. But I think the heart, the writing is really good, and um, there's lots going on. I think the story, just to give you a little window into the story. The owner is um, uh, um, is recently divorced. They used to be married and they owned this club. She's got divorced kind of unexpectedly and he's gone off with a younger woman. And so she wants to get her revenge by taking the one thing he loved, this football club, and making it go down, which is why she employs Ted Lasso uh, to try and tank the team. Um, but he just is unsinkable in his optimism. And uh, yeah, and I think... There's there's genuine story in there. It's not just one person being relentlessly optimistic. He is a real character, but his nature is very good. And it doesn't... I, I just think it's it's hard to convey a mood, but I really want to convey there's such a warmth there that I really think is worth your time. Um, and some I funniness think as well. I think you're coming across with it, Phil. I can, I can, I can hear it in your voice that you found this. Uh, it sounds like the kind of chuckle that comes because you've warmed up to the environment and to the characters. So you're, you're ready to laugh along with them rather than this is an out-and-out kind of gag-filled um, slapstick show that will win you over because of the laughter. Is that, is that right? So it's more of a kind of tone thing that you really warms you in. Um, and interesting, I mean, we haven't really talked about the fact that it's on Apple TV. We need to do that in a minute. Um, but before we do that, you know, I wonder whether we're going to see more of this because, you, you know, Ryan Reynolds and someone else, I can't remember who it is, bought uh, a low league football team as well. Yeah, and like, guy, this is suddenly becoming a thing. It was the guy on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. His, um, right. It's a good investment, I think, is what they've realised. Well, no, no, but they also said, because I was thinking... Is this is this PR? Is this what? Do they actually like the football? And they did say um, in one of the reports that part of what came with the purchase was the fact they might make a documentary on it um, down the line. So can you not already see this? Ryan Reynolds on camera saying, I don't even know what this is, you know. Like that's what I think that's what they're doing. It's going to be a spoof mockumentary for real <laughs> um, <laughs> about these. Ameri- I think that's I think that's where they'll go with it. It's Ryan Reynolds for goodness' sake. It's not going to be a serious sports documentary, is it? 
Um, so I wonder whether there's just a bit of interest in the world of low league football um, overseas at the moment. Maybe because in America it's um, it's more sort of stellar, isn't it, with college football and stuff. I, I don't get the impression that actual tiny village teams exist in quite the same way in the no, States. No, and also totally franchises move around. So the Lakers right. are in LA. They used to be near some lakes, but now they're not. They moved over to LA. Um, that's there's a whole there's there's no heart to the team. Whereas I think British teams, um, they they have literally been in the same place for hundreds of years. Uh, as, right, as hence exactly teams. this series, right? It's all about the heart and the spirit and the fans and stuff. So there you go. Maybe that's being outsourced. Maybe that's one of Great Britain's exports in this Brexit post Brexit world. <laughs> uh, okay, now tell us about Apple TV. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, there's not much to say, really, because... Uh, no, there isn't. No, there isn't much to say. The, I got it for free as well, and I looked at it and thought, what's this? Yeah, it's confusing. No wonder they're giving it it's, away They're free. trying to use it as a bit like a platform for a bit like Amazon Fire. Sticks have... You can access all these different apps, and then you can access the shows and things. They're trying to do their own version of that. Um, uh, there's an Apple TV box you can get, which makes your TV into a smart TV, all this sort of stuff. And I think they were trying to b- break into... Um, this whole TV original market to, to, to attract people to the well, service. Well, it's only exclusives, right? They don't license anything as far as I can see. No, but you can get uh, access to all these things. So I think bundled with a phone, if you bought an iPhone, you will probably have got it for free. I think check it out because it isn't, it isn't cheap content. I've been watching kind of working my way through these shows um i watched this whole a whole series which i've not talked about which is called trying which stars i forget him it's the name uh the the guy who's the son of um rafe wormtail who's wormtail the actor who plays wormtail in harry potter oh t- oh spool spool yeah so yeah. it's his son i think um and um I watched all of that. I've watched a little bit of the morning show starring Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon oh, right. and Steve Carell. And I've just started watching as well Defending Jacob with Chris Evans. Uh, a kind of, and and I'm going to talk about Boy State. So I've been trying to milk out the last. I've got like maybe <laughs> yeah, two well more done, months well left done. to get are through. They, are they? Are they? Is it free or are they paying you, Phil? No, they're That's not paying me. They're not paying me. But <laughs> I think what's amazing about these shows, all of them, is the production values are really up there yeah, and yeah. really. Um, not cheap quality productions. They're not sort of... I think Netflix has a bit of a reputation of some things being really good and other things being a little bit slapdash. Well, anti-life, come on. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think Apple TV have gone just for the nines, kind of big home runs, uh, but nobody's watching them and not many people are talking about them. But I think there is some quality there and worth checking out, worth pursuing if you can. Okay. All right. Well, there's a, there's a lot to, to sort of take in there, but overall, Ted Lasso gets a big thumbs up. I'll give it a go, man. I'm interested. I wonder whether Judith will... I'd be up for joining me on the journey. Is it, do you think, because she's not, she doesn't like Will Ferrell, you know, Anchorman, we don't get to watch in my house anymore. Um, it's not like that, I take it. No, no, it's um, it's it's small little witty comments amongst the nice story and a general atmosphere okay. that really pays off. Um, I think, and it's not really heavy on the sports even, it's more about them as a character, as a situation, all sorts. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd really check it out. All right, I'm pretty much sold. Thanks, Phil. Pretty much. <laughs> All right, well, in between uh, Phil's gushing review, I feel he's done two quite gushing reviews that (laughs) took in a lot of context um, and a couple of other reviews. Let's do something silly in between. Now, Phil, a few weeks ago, 
Um, you tested me out. You played me some end credits music and uh, wanted to see if I could guess the show it was from. I think we should do the same thing, but in reverse. We talked about it then. Let's do it now. I'm going to throw at you some TV titles, famous TV shows, and see if you can sing the theme song. Uh, <laughs> if you it's can so, remember it's, it's it. It's such the more humiliating version. <laughs> uh, mine was quite nice. Would well, you, you want this... us to take it in turns? Because I don't know. Uh, you know, we can do that if you like. You let's can let's take it in turns so that it's not all on me. Because right. some of these some of these shows, I'm worried I won't know anything about them. I haven't even watched them sort of thing. Well, I've gone for um, top TV shows of the noughties. I, it's, I hate the phrase the noughties, the 2000s. There's no easy way to say it. It's not like the 90s, is it? Um, just because I think that will... Uh, our interests will cross over um, and our sort of uh, teenage and young brains will have clung on to these themes <laughs> in like a the way Pokemon names, that yeah. more recent TV. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more recent TV won't. Um, so we're going to have a go at this, see how memorable it is. And why not join along at home? See if you can get it before us. Hit pause on the podcast and see if you can hum it or remember it. Um, all right. You ready for this, Bill? You can see my screen, can't yes, you? Yes, I can. Um, okay, here we go. So number one, this is a show I didn't watch. So you're going to have to do it. 24. Okay. I think it goes... Uh, it, it, all of them pop up as little little people all at once. And it goes boop, beep, boop, beep, <laughs> boop, boop, and then it goes. Yeah, that's my. Well, uh, interesting. All right, nice singing. You looked a little bit embarrassed. If you don't mind me saying, let's hear. It. And I think it's a little <laughs> bit like violiny as well. A little bit violiny. Let's, uh, let's see what the 2001 to 2014 theme sounds like. Oh, there it is. Is this what you're going for? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like it. <laughs> What's this? Oh, Phil. If you don't mind me saying, Phil, I think that's a fail. <laughs> fail. I, mean, I got it. It was the same. I got the kind of structure of it. The beep beeps and the... So you did. Yeah, it didn't, but it didn't flow in the way that you I didn't realise okay, there right. was uh, sort of trumpets in there. I didn't realise the, the brassy nature, which I should have remembered. I won't be able to do this next one because I didn't really watch it. I'll save that one for you, Phil. Oh, Arrested Development. I can do this. Um, I think. Does it go? Um, I think that was really good. That was well, well done, you. It's easy when you choose the ones you can do. <laughs> well, no, I'm going down the list. Just luck and unluck. Oh no, I did the beginning theme, man. <laughs> I love this soundtrack. It's really, really good. You should have a listen. It's on Spotify. Okay, okay. All right, that's enough of that. Okay, next up. Can you do 30 Rock Phil? Do you remember it well I enough? haven't seen it enough. I literally, uh, okay. I, I haven't seen enough, so I'm going to oh, skip Well, this Rock. one you should get. Oh, Band that's of Brothers, impossible. Um, no, it's not. I can't think of these at all. Uh, Band of Brothers. I could do that one. It's iconic. Okay, do it then. I can't. Keep I think going. that's the opening. Slow, man. Moving the opening. Yeah, but isn't it the same? No. Oh, okay. Let's see. Let's see. I hope it's the same. <laughs> I think you've arrested development yourself again. Not again. I'd be embarrassed if that was the case. Ah oh, man, isn't your heart stirring at that? What a series this is! I'm I don't think there's been a better. I'm series. trying to I convince think Ellie to watch it, but I can't. Um, really, I, you I, can't. I think it's too heavy. I think she gets sad <laughs> about. The I don't real know that it is stories. heavy, but there's a lot of light. There's a lot of lightness. 
And it is real, and there's camaraderie and stuff. Oh, if you haven't seen Band of Brothers yet, I can't believe how old it is now. Do yourself a favour and watch it. It is mind-blowing stuff. Heart-rending and kind of amazing. It's also fun playing, playing Spot the Rising British Star because it basically had everyone in it. All the male That's stars true. you could think of. Isn't even Simon Pegg's in it, isn't he? Simon it? Pegg, Tom Hardy. This is one of my um, personal favourite hobbies, actually. We should do another segment on it because I was watching, as you know, Tomorrow Never Dies. Guess who's one of the crew members on um, the ship that gets um, taken off course by uh, Richard Price or whoever he is, his baddie. Uh, um, you won't guess, obviously. Go on, guess. Gerard Butler, mate. Gerard, Gerard Butler. Butler. <laughs> Gerard Butler, Scottish muscle man, is sat in there as a nervous crewman on the submarine. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, okay, okay, so your turn now. Let's do Lost. <laughs> I think you can do that. I never really watched Lost. I couldn't get into Lost it. Lost is basically like, boom, boom, isn't it? Oh, actually, I think I've worked it out now. I think I've got it. It's, um, it's like... Uh, like it's sort of a kind of ethereal thing it's quite hard to do <laughs> what? don't Be- we'll do it I that's what I'm talking about let's do it I'm not as musically gifted as you I can't I'm not in this way I'm not musically gifted alright let's hear how right you are do it again for us it's, it, it kind of goes with the lost symbols or it goes and it, and it, and it floats the lost words float towards the screen like, that's the best do the I can sound. do. I can't don't talk do about it. I don't <laughs> know. I don't, have that, I don't have that knowledge in my head. Oh, yeah. You could have sung that. <laughs> Jungle style. Wow. It's frightening stuff. It's good music, actually, on Lost. Yeah. That drum. Wow. Have you watched Boom. Lost? I watched a couple of episodes of it, and it has the kind of... Um, the general sort of stuff that I avoid are like um, weighty scenes and too much mystery, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just sort of rambling. You liked it, didn't you? I watched all of it. Yeah, I think, um, I, I, of course, it, appeal, it appeals to loads of people because it's got that whole mystery and there's constantly twists and turns and everything. How about The Wire? Do you know the theme song to The Wire? That is a brilliant show as well. I have to say, I kind of lost interest in season three, um, which everyone else says is brilliant, but I loved season one and two. Season two is an underrated gem, I think. It's often it's great. people I get cross at it because it's, uh, it's, it seems such a divergent from the first series going How to the docks. How can you get cross about it? But it's great. It's great writing, that. really interesting characters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man, the the Dockers is such an underrepresented kind of part of um, drama, full stop, especially crime drama. I thought it was amazing. Okay, I, I think on. it's because it goes from the, we're just talking about the wire now, but it goes from like the drugs <laughs> yeah. on the street corner. Then you're just like the union and the trouble there and all the kind of criminal activity. But it's smuggling, like and people trafficking and stuff. It's it's awful. It's worse than, than drugs in some ways. I, I'm not that interested in drug stories. Anyway, look, carry on. Do the theme. Oh, the, the theme with the wire. I could do the opening theme, but... Um, but the thing is, is there's been five versions of it. They always change. Like, way down <laughs> do they? Do they the change hole. the themes? Yeah, there's the Tom Watts version, which I enjoyed, which was proper like gravity. Tom, Tom Waits. There you go. Um, way down in the hole. Like it's properly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well and, done. Um, and it, and and uh, there's a lovely little kind of staccato-y trombone-y like. Burp, burp. Yeah, I'm not very good at doing the actual themes. I could talk about them a lot, but. Oh yeah. This is a classic, man. I tried to look it up. That, 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 like, wah wah. It's totally got that riff about thing. That. It's coming. Ah, oh, there it is. A MIDI violin. I always like it when there's end credits that, like, give you that space to reflect. This, this vibe is incredible, isn't it? All right. That's that, that, you could have got that one, man. I that's know, I'm sorry. As well. Okay, uh, 
Oh, can you do Scrubs? I love Scrubs. Yeah, I could do that one. Okay, so it's not the theme song. <laughs> I can't do this all on my own. It's, um, oh, it's, um, oh, does it go? Hold on, hold on. Um, ah, <laughs> it's so in my mind. I, I can give really you one challenge it. and now you're um, melting. Ah, I really think I could do this one. That's the, it's kind of, it's like a, it's very similar in style to the opening with Again, the banjo. Just sing it, man. Um, just sing it. You're the one oh, now talking. Wait, hold on a minute. Um, it's, um, Oh, no. <laughs> I think I can't remember it well enough. It's right on the tip of my brain. The tip um, of your brain. Yeah, it's on the tip of my brain. Um, oh, I can't. I actually can't do it. Can I hear it? I can't remember it. Can you remember it? It's like, it's very like jilty. It's like. No, that's the, that's, the, that's the intro. No, it's like. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Oh, you might be able to sing it better now. Hold on, hold I mean, on. This is great. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I can really hear that melody you sung, <laughs> but I can't hear the rest of it. I've got to play it now. I'm really annoyed with myself because I like this end credits theme. Here we go. Yeah, oh, this is great, man. That's joyful times. It's a good soundtrack of Scrubs. That's great. It's a great series. I often think about uh, scenes in Scrubs. It was one of the few that had sort of life lessons going on. That were kind of well done, I thought. Maybe that just showed my age, you know. No one likes life <laughs> lessons anymore. Uh, One Tree Hill. Oh. Oh, wait a second. It's like... <laughs> that's bad that that's the one which I've been most confident able to sing. It's like piano All right, let's have it. This is an absolutely massive style over substance series that you and our other brother Sam loved, didn't you? Here we go. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Can you remember the opening song as well for One Tree Hill? Oh, yeah, it was... I don't want to be anything other than what I've been trying to be. Oh, what a song. Would you have to do Seinfeld? <laughs> I think I did that very well. That's a that's a real classic. But you know what? As well, um, that one is worth having a look online because the guy plays on a keyboard. What? Really? It's in no way is that real bass. Yeah, you should watch it. He's very good. Here you go, and he changed it up more than you think as well. Why do we always have to say excuse me when we can't hear what someone is saying? Why are we so guilty and so apologetic? Excuse me, pardon me, I'm sorry. Why can't just once I go? Nope. Not loud enough. Why can't I do that? <laughs> it's not a joke. Just once, yeah. I would like to have the guts. Seinfeld. You know, to make that yeah, that is not a real slap bass. That's a keyboard, mate. It's good, though. Okay, look, Phil, I think we've reached the end okay. of this train. <laughs> I hope that didn't make you cringe. I hope you enjoyed that. Let us know if you actually got any of those right. Um, but they, they do occupy a strange place in your memory, don't they? End credits themes. Well, I think they, they you, you don't appreciate them, but they're there and they're getting into your brain. And so some some of them you, you start to appreciate. And uh, I, I look forward to them. It's always good if you can get an end credit that like you're looking forward to because it spurs you on to watch yeah, another true. episode so that you get to the end again and hear it all over again. Yeah, Escape from Pretoria time. This is going to be quite brief, Phil. So Gina and I sat down to the TV yesterday 
And uh, I've been trying to look through Amazon Prime recently because I think uh, it will output in 4K. We recently got a TV that can handle it. I want to test it. I want to test it out. And I haven't managed to because Netflix doesn't do that. And uh, even some Blu-rays don't do it in quite the way you want. You have to get an Ultra HD uh, Blu-ray Plus, a player that can handle it, blah, blah, blah. But Amazon Prime will stream in Ultra HD in some cases. So to sort of celebrate that, we didn't watch an Ultra HD film because scrolling through the list of things available to us on Amazon Prime, I was utterly captivated by a poster of little Danny Radcliffe with a giant beard, long hair and massive um, 70s style glasses. I mean, tell me if you saw that as the poster for a film, you wouldn't instantly click and think, what? What is little Dan Rad up to now? Dan, Dan, Dan Rad gets up to very weird things. Uh, I've, I've, he does. I've been spurned too much because I watched Swiss Army Man and I found that just... Wow, you shouldn't have gone down that road. Well, yeah, exactly. And I also watched that one where he played like a demon um, getting revenge and that was weird as oh, well. Oh, with the horns. Yeah. Was it called horns? Yeah, I horns. Yeah, I watched yeah, that strange. one as well. I've been, Dan Rad has burned me too many times, my friend. <laughs> Danny, Danny Rebel. Well, look, I, I still think this is a good niche for him to exist in because, and I, I agree with you, that those are quirky films rather than quirky characters. But the, him in the big beard and the glasses, I think he could do really well as a sort of surprising character actor. Like, you're like, how do they make him look like that? Where you're just thinking the whole like time. Like a mini Gary Oldman. Yeah, exactly. And I admit, for the first um, 10 minutes of this film, I was in my head, I literally could only hear him going, stupefy! Like, I was waiting for it to happen. Poor Daniel Radcliffe. Can you imagine having to get over that in your professional life? And that's unbidden. I wasn't even trying to do that. I couldn't help but hear him say it and his little face doing it. Um, but fortunately, I've got a happy tale to relate with this because I did not have high hopes. I put press play on it purely for the curiosity factor of seeing what Dan Rabb was up to. Um, but this is a film uh, based on a true story about a real life, well, attempted prison escape um, by two sort of political prisoners in apartheid South Africa uh, way back in the day, you know, uh, shortly after Nelson Mandela was imprisoned. Does, so this mean, in does this mean that Daniel Radcliffe is doing a South African... Af does it mean he's well, doing a South African accent? Yeah, it does. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> there are very few <laughs> good accents in this film. What I'll say is it somehow has the effect of uh, reducing his voice by a number and of And he struggled with yelling. Um, that was my one criticism of Harry Potter. He, <laughs> he can't really did. yell. The boy cannot yell. He's a good actor, I think, overall. He did a decent job. But the boy can't can't yell. He was that friend! Exactly. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> oh, Harry. You're right. He does a South African accent that is not a strong part of the film. But the setting is quite interesting. So it's right in the middle of this. A lot of political unrest. And these are two real life guys. Um, we're, we're told this anyway. Tim Jenkin and Stephen Lee, who were arrested because they were distributing flyers from banned publications that were anti the apartheid regime. And the opening scene is them doing this by way of kind of um, uh, what they called flyer bombs. So there's little explosions in the, uh, in the street and then flyers kind of rain right. down everywhere for people to see. So it's sort of performative, but obviously dangerous. And what I'm going to say straight away is that I know almost nothing about apartheid other than the sort of headline stuff that you hear about. Um, I don't know anything about these guys or what they were doing. So I saw on some of the reviews people saying, these guys are terrorists. Why are you glamorizing terrorists? I don't know whether, what the case was. And so I'm only really able to talk about it as a piece of filmmaking. And part of the reason I feel particularly comfortable saying that is that that is basically what the film does as well. It sets up um, the fact that these characters are political activists and they've been put in prison for 12 years and eight years respectively. But then it is just about them trying to escape from prison. The politics and the context is almost irrelevant. It's more like they wanted to set the scene well enough so you know what level of technology 
and surveillance they have to work with right. at the prison. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So it's more it's about well, they they didn't have security cameras in the in the corridor like that. It, I don't think that is actually what they were doing. I suspect the filmmakers probably wanted um, to make a kind of politically relevant film, um, but the politics isn't really in it, and even the characters you know almost nothing about because the um, the escape plan gets underway very very early on, and then the whole film is about the escape plan. They do nod to the politics, but yeah, that's just by way of saying it's not really part of the film. Um, some people are disappointed for that very reason because they think a film about this topic needs to have more investigation into the characters and it needs to have more exploration of the political context. Otherwise, you're just kind of using it, right? Mm. You're using it to tell a story that doesn't need it. And I don't know. Like, I don't know where you fall on that. I think that one is probably quite subjective. Um, let me play a trailer so <laughs> you can hear little Dan Rad um, speaking in a South African accent and you can kind of get a vibe. You ready for this? Yes, film? I am ready. No pens, no radio, no newspapers, no political conversation. Visitors are once per month. Did you ever sleep through my bed again? I could get used to this. You are the white Mandela. You are the most deluded of them all. Whatever happens in here, don't give up. We've heard about you too. How many years? For me, 12 family. Not if we don't plan on staying that long. It's 20 foot high. The bulb wires up is every inch of the yard. Boars with guns. From lock up into dawn. Tunnels in any direction, they just lead you back on the prison property. Everybody comes in here and they're going to break out of here by next week. Always a first time. That's my touch exactly. You want to make tea with pencil and drawing paper? No, no, from wood. You're too crazy. So all we have to do is make a really complex key, then get it to reach a keyhole on the other side of a steel panel, three inch thick iron door to which we have totally no access. I love it. You fail, you get 25 years if you're lucky. A bullet in the head if you're not. Hold! What is this? No! Your whole plan is doomed to failure. I won't give up. You didn't do anything. We are prisoners of conscience. What's different for us? Well, we're prisoners of war. Back off. What is wrong with you people? Get you to break us. This is how we fight. Hold on to that anger. They remind you there's another world. That's not all this. What are your thoughts on that, Phil? I actually found myself quite intrigued because it looks, but like you say, it doesn't. The, the politics don't really seem to be any more than a backdrop. Um, but That's the right. the idea of kind of a what's the word, the great escape type, working together, trying to get through problems, obstacles, the kind of gang have a chat and say, right, we've got to do this and we've got to do this and we've got to do this, but we're going to have to get past this. All that stuff appeals to me in a kind of a basic sort of film way. Um, the other thing that and, was, and so it should, man. The other thing was just that 
I think Daniel Radcliffe is, he feels very like he's acting. I know, and I know I haven't watched the film, but like in the film, it just looks like he's playing dress up. He's pretending. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, Dan Rad. Look, um, I'm, I'm glad you can see the basic appeal of that. And that's the thing to think about this film. And when, when I say basic, I don't mean it in any way a slight. This is gripping, Phil. Like the escape is one of the few genuinely gripping escapes I think I've watched. in um, Really? Yeah, in this kind of genre piece. Jude and I watched together and like it is really tense. It is so tense. And it's quite impressive, genuinely, from a filmmaking point of view, especially I think the cinematography and the shot placement and stuff, um, because... It's they, everything that happens is really small, and if you if another filmmaker was doing it, it would be kind of boring and kind of uneventful. But the tiny things, you know, the little noises and the little fine movements and the close calls are genuinely exciting and nerve wracking, for the most part. I think like it's it's a really weird balance, and I can't actually put my finger on why I enjoyed it so much. Daniel Radcliffe doesn't bother me at all. He's relatively convincing after the first ten minutes, partly because he says very little <laughs> past a certain point, um, and actually his sort of super intensity actually suits this guy quite well, um, or the way that they portrayed this character. It's a pretty decent performance from him, actually, quite um, quite not sensational. He holds the screen well, and his face actually does tell quite a story. You're so used to seeing that face. But it really works. He's got like an iron gaze, which I've never noticed before. <laughs> like an incredibly solid, weird gaze. Um, watch it. Um, but then there are there are annoying contrivances as well. Like too often, um, I say it's tense. Like Danny Rad will be doing something, and someone will knock something on the floor to cover for him. Like there's too many times where that happens, and the filmmakers overuse that idea way too much but then the scenes where they're nearly caught because they're actually doing something and there isn't a sort of fake distraction are really compelling i'll say the, the prison guards are not great uh, in terms of their characterization they're a bit thin they're all various different stereotypes from films that you've seen before and the film is not interested in any of its characters which i think maybe is quite a serious um problem and yeah, I found it gripping and enjoyable. It's only 107 minutes. I think it's worth a shot. And I really want Daniel Radcliffe to grow and succeed as an actor. I think he should play dress up more. I think he should play weird characters, but in good films. Don't go into weird films, play weird characters. That That's what I would say if I was his agent, which I'm not. So do you think this is a weird film or do you think this is a weird character? No, it's a very basic film, which really shouldn't succeed in many ways because... It's kind of in, insufficient in a lot of classic filmy tropes, especially with this kind of backdrop. But it is tense and it does work. OK, well, if you watch Escape from Pretoria, you know what to do. Plus ones, minus ones. You know the email addresses by now. You know the Twitter. Just yep. get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, I think I might try and check this one out if I can track it down. It's on Amazon, is it? It's worth a go. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, yeah, only 107 minutes. I'm sorry, by the way, Phil, I wanted to watch The Departed, but it cost me 250 on Amazon. <laughs> I'll lend you the DVD. Yeah. So as promised, I have been doing an Apple TV binge and trying to get the most out of my free membership thing. And I watched this documentary, Boy State. This is a documentary about teenage boys who are taking part in an annual event run by the American Legion as a charity for war veterans, where they get a thousand boys together in Texas and they make a government. They make kind of a mock government. Oh wow! And uh, so you, the the boys in that uh, in that co- cohort, they are. I think it might even be one thousand two hundred people because there's um, six hundred nationalists and six hundred federalists, sort of generic parties. So okay. boys don't know 
their political values. They just are put in a party and they have to try and um, run things and they can put forward motions and bills. They can become the governor, the big prize, be the governor, elected as governor. Um, you can be um, secretary chair at where you decide um, what the party is going to stand for and you, you lead the, the sort of internal meetings and things like that. And you have basically 17-year-olds sort of doing a pseudo uh a pseudo government political thing and what's that good... sounds amazing yeah. but i've got so many questions yeah, <laughs> like, so, i'm really fascinated it's by so it so weird but you just the idea of it you're like that's interesting because you it, uh, it it's very similar to that model un you might have come across as an idea where people um as as a club they get involved but this is way more intense it's them for two weeks or something or a week all in together um talking about it being interviewed you watch them do it i think it's well directed in that it gives you storylines and um i'll play the trailer and then i'll talk a bit more about what i feel like this this documentary gives you which i think is intriguing i will skip the part where i brag for three minutes about how great and cool i am Seeing as we are all qualified young men of skill and character. People like that stuff. People like that stuff a lot. Some people say they're a sports junkie. I say I'm a politics junkie. The harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. I'm playing this like a game. I would like very much to win. I love it, boys. I love it. Where are you from? I come from a very modest family. Uh, I'm on the course to be the first one to graduate from high school. I am a progressive person. And I'm in a room full of mostly conservative people. Our masculinity shall not be infringed. I've never seen so many white people ever. I feel like everybody has a secret underlying need for bipartisanship. A message of unity, as good as it sounds, is not winning anyone any elections. Primary polls are now open. Get yourselves ready for a turbulent election. Whatever happens, dude, best of luck. You win, I support you fully. My name is Steven Garza, and I'm running for governor. Let's get the applause because... As to the political views, voice of my speech, sometimes you gotta say what you gotta say in an attempt to win. I think he's a fantastic politician. But I don't think a fantastic politician is a compliment either. We're going to do shock and awe. It's going to be awesome. I want you all to take out your phones and go on Instagram. Everyone, come on. Oh, my God. Well, we show the world what patriots are made of. That when things get tough, we pull ourselves by our bootstraps. One nation under God. Lovers of the Constitution of the United States of America. That's politics, I think. That's politics. <laughs> uh, that's a great. Um, that's a great statement. That's politics. I think. I think it is. <laughs> that's brilliant, man. I am. Um, I am so. Um, I want to watch this. Wow. Yeah, I think it's it's so good because it does feel like actual politics and a window into what it means to try and be elected and what um 
the machinations i think that's the right word the the kind of the machine involved in the whole process of it having to get people to back you and uh, and sort of stand by you but also having to shift your message to try and appeal to the the people you've got in front of you you're not everyone's going to have your view so you can't just be yourself you have to kind of be a version of yourself and so you've got all this quite serious themes and ideas but it's all about 17 year old boys and it's like a fun little game it doesn't really matter um, but they're all sort of playing pretend in quite a, con- a sincere well, way, but also with this backdrop of being stupid and young and teenagers. Well, this is what this is the stuff, I, and I, I, I apologise if these are kind of buzzkill type questions, but like um, the first thing I want to know is in all those clips, it's just these boys doing their thing, but they must have had like grown up supervision and sort of guidance. And what my head is saying is, is this a bit like The Apprentice? Like we all watch The Apprentice and we think it's amazing that these people can come up with such a stupid marketing campaign or whatever it is. And we all think we could do better. But the secret to The Apprentice, you know, everyone has sort of theorised for many years, is how well edited and controlled it is behind the scenes. Because all this stuff has to be filmed and set up and managed and organised. So, and uh, I want to know how authentic it is, is basically uh, basically my thing. I don't know because I haven't I haven't looked into it. It felt like it was an accurate portrayal of what happened. Okay. And it didn't feel like they were constructing narratives out of nothing. It felt like okay. you got the na- because it focuses so much on governor, who's going to be elected governor and the people involved, the kind of higher end people who got voted in to do their jobs. It it feels like it's a natural story to tell because you've got you by by nature any sort of competition is a story isn't it you've got winners you've got losers you've got conflict so yeah i think i know what you mean it's not a case where they're just sort of making something out of nothing they're obviously our adults the the charity the american legion um they they are sort of running it and supporting it and they've got rules in place of what you can do and what can happen and things like that and so it's it's not a sort of Lord of the Flies. It's not a Lord of the Flies thing. They haven't just locked them all in a building. No, no, and, it's not like that. But whatever. it is a sort of off you go and go get it. You have to get thirty signatures um, in yeah, order yeah. to be eligible to run for governor. You can propose stupid motions like let's just. I think one that they mentioned the previous year decided to succeed from the United um, States, so they just said, right, "Really, as, succeed? Yeah. Wow!" And, and that sort of, in and of itself, is quite a statement and also stupid at the same time. Um, and so, I think what I really liked was the fact that you have them, you get to watch kind of in real time them being political but also have the Vox Pops behind the scenes where they're talking about themselves as real people and sort of they don't have to guard themselves because they're not actually running for office. And so you get to have that high contrast between um, what things they will do to get into office and what things that are just them. It's, it, the main two focus uh, points are um, this guy Stephen Garza and then Rob McDougall, who is the sort of politics. I, I think this is politics. The sort of he <laughs> he looks like he's ripped from a film. That guy, like <laughs> yeah, from exactly. the seventies or something. He, he everything like about that, yeah. him is that sort of Texas politician you kind of expect. Well, he, that, that he is the poster boy for this, and that you can see that the filmmakers knew that. Yeah, yeah but and carry then, on. Yeah, and yeah. then so you've got him and. He he, quite is open. He's like, well, these are my values, but I don't think it's going to win, so I'm going to go with these ones. Like, and 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 they're very upfront about that, which makes you. It's a it's a kind of microcosm, isn't it? That then you extrapolate to the macrocosm, which I think. I think it means that you end up appreciating the actual situation of politicians much more, in that there is a ridiculous thing to try and convince all these people to back you, and you're not going to be able to be 
just what you want to be because nobody not everyone's going to have that unified view um and so i think that's quite insightful but also it highlights how it's a game and how maybe these people doing it it is just a game it's just a, and a stepping stone i think there's a there's just a lot of things to get from this documentary also about the nature of boys and friendship and um and how they are in amongst lots of other boys and what they act like it's, it's kind of ridiculous stupid funny insightful interesting all, all of the above so i think definitely if you and did you feel at the end that you learned something about the actual american political system because that would be another thing that i would want to know because i just don't i still don't really understand it and i you know i do my best to keep up with all the anger and the frustration about the american political situation and the you know that people express here and i feel every time i feel like i've got a handle on it they're like well no but you can't do that at a state level and i'm like what <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know what it's not so much that because it is about state government so it's just about texas but what's okay. interesting is you've got a very different political spectrum um like the main thing they talk about as the the kind of policies they're going to run on their parties that they've formed at this kind of convention is abortion and gun laws. And you kind wow. of think that is wow. not an, serious. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Okay. But they're like Texans. And so they've got very clear views, but not necessarily the politicians saying that they're going to be for this thing, have those views. And there's, there's sort of revelations that maybe, Oh, they're kind of just saying one thing, but they actually think another it's all going on. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's it's in this lovely kind of they're all just in their little white T-shirts that they're given by the organisers and they're just running around <laughs> and they're doing talent. It really shows. has the look of that film. Uh, Everybody wants some um, by uh, Linklater. Uh, it was Linklater, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, man, I'm 100 percent sold on it. I'm definitely going to watch this. Cool. Well, there's Boy State. And um, if you have Apple TV, it's on there now. I think it's worth having a look at, especially if you're at all interested in politics and the kind of. Yeah, yeah. The way it all happens. Yeah, there you go. Do you know, I like what this is saying to me as well, man, is you put your finger on is there's a real sweet spot for a kind of political commentary, uh, docudrama or just a film that I think is quite hard to hit because I've seen a lot of political films that really turn me off and I get annoyed about them. But then there's, this is ringing bells with me with a film called No, which is about the Chilean um, election where, was it Pinochet? Oh, I remember um, you talking finally... about this film, yeah. Yeah, finally voted out. And it's all about the no campaign, which was huge in Chile's history um, for its approach to communications and the way it presented the political message. But the tone of the film is so just, uh, it's just so wonderful. It's Gail Garcia Bernal, is that how you pronounce his name? I'm not totally sure, um, who plays the sort of marketing coordinator, uh, strategist guy. And the way they develop the message and take the temperature of the population and the public and the way the sort of machinations, as you say, work on behind the scenes. It's just such compelling viewing. And it really surprised me how much I liked it. Um, so you should, def- you should definitely give that a go based on this trailer. It's called No, and it's about the Chilean election back then. But it also makes you think of a good episode of Superstore, which is a show that I want to talk about. I'll, I'll do that fairly soon. Because it, although it has its ups and downs, as every sitcom does, I, I heartily recommend that on the whole. They do a whole episode on healthcare insurance, mm. which is just like this, where two employees in the store say, oh, it's terrible. Our health plan doesn't cover it all. So why don't you guys pay into us a little bit each month and then we'll, we'll pay out what you need if you guys need an operation. And then it just explores how health insurance, what it actually is mm. and how it got started in the first place. So it's, it's interesting, man. I'm all for this when it's done well with a dose of kind of irony and, and humour, maybe without being too right on and too serious, because then it becomes harder to sort of enjoy it or something like that. I yeah, I think this definitely toes that line, toes that line. And um, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see what other people make of it. So there you go. Boys State is what it's called. Flixandfilm at gmail.com at Flixandfilm on Twitter with your thoughts. 
Okay, time to wrap up. Well, Phil, we, we haven't done too badly for a morning episode. I do feel that my brain is less in gear than it ought to be. I think it's because I've been drinking coffee ever since I woke up, but it maybe <laughs> hasn't made my heart palpitate and raise my anxiety levels enough <laughs> for the level at which I normally operate. Oh, dear. Uh, but it was all right, wasn't it? I, I'm really interested in Boy's State. I thought you brought a lot to the table and Ted Lasso. Um, but you should definitely check out Love and Monsters. And I'm interested in your thoughts on uh, Escape from Pretoria. I will, I will. Yes, I'd like to watch it. I'll recommend it to um, Ellie and uh, she'll give her thoughts too. She's a much harsher critic than I am. Very um, good. Uh, but there you go. Uh, Phil, you actually have a bonus this week? I do. It's, 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 I don't even know if it qualifies as bonuses. You, you've got these interesting tidbit thoughts. Um, I don't know if this will work at all. I had to write, um, I was thinking of Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, right. just write without thinking about it. Just go for it. How do you spell Gwyneth? Uh, G-W-Y-N-E-T-H Okay, didn't work I really, really struggled <laughs> to spell Gwyneth I like, really struggled And it got me thinking that Gwyneth <laughs> was a really weird name And I found it really difficult to spell It I was is like, quite an unusual name Were you putting the Y in there first? I bet you were going G-Y Guy Gwyneth Guy But it's a very odd name I am with you. Uh, and a why a why is <laughs> very good. A why is quite um a red herring in some names. Because there's a book series I really like by John Gwynn. He is actually now I realise G Y G W Y there you go, I did it. G W Y double N E. And one of his main characters is a girl called Siwen. I pronounce it Siwen, but the name is spelt C Y W E N. What would you go with? Cyan Cyan. Cyan? Cyan. See, because I'm going with Siwen, but there's a part of me that has a fear that uh, uh, some sort of Welsh traditionalist will call it Cowan or Cohen. Do you know what I mean? Because oh, Y is just one I, of yeah. those letters. Y is one of those letters, but also anything with a W in there kind of amongst everything else is uh, like that. There's a basketball player called Dwayne Wade. How do you think you spell Dwayne? Oh, D-U-A-N-E. No, this one's D-W. A-Y? Normally it's spelled A-Y-N-E. Yeah. But... Um, uh, I uh, his mum wasn't so sure about how to spell it, so it's D Y Y D W Y A N Dwayne. I still sort of Dwayne. works to be honest. Dwayne, Dwayne. Dwayne. <laughs> Do you have but... a Y in your name? Let us know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. Anyway, I struggle with Gwyneth. I, I hope that other people would, but so far the two people I've asked have uh, both spelled it right on cue without any issues. So it's just me. Oh no. Dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would, uh, I've only got one thing to throw you away that was very good Phil you should, you should do bonuses more you say that I've got these things that mine are just stupid they're stupid things um, but I uh, one that really made me laugh and I almost want to start a blog with this kind of thing um, is failed company social media campaigns um, I say they failed but it's a bit harsh but it's really tickled me on my uh, feed on Twitter a sponsored post came up from HP UK you know the printer company and they've got oh, a I video. You meant HP Source. Okay. No, no, no. Are they HP linked? the video Are those link. I really don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> it's Hewlett Packard, isn't it? Like, uh, so no is the answer. Hewlett but Packard there's a, Source. <laughs> there's Sorry. a really joyful. <laughs> you're derailing my thing now, man. Sorry. Sorry <laughs> what I'm going to say yeah. so it's so pointless. Um, <laughs> there's a really joyful video. Uh, I kind of want to show you of really jaunty people uh, walking on a really colourful street. Can you see it, Phil? Like really beautifully lit. Uh, to building yeah. site, and I'm singing, and I'm I'm walking over to my printer. I'm not putting the audio on in this case, um, and you can see the tagline up here with HP Instant Ink. Your printer orders its own ink before you run out. How do you feel about that, Phil? As a premise, that this is a social like media campaign. Almost, 
almost the same level as the Terminator level of uh, Skynet and stuff oh, what like the that. printers taking spending over your the world. money. <laughs> Spending your money is like, we need more ink. Well, Printers are famously rubbish at judging oh, ink. Exactly. Is this the dumbest Is this the dumbest thing they could possibly have advertised? How is that a good thing? And then it's just a joy to read Twitter. Um, let's see. Uh, Joe says, every 30 seconds probably, <laughs> ordering new ink. Paul says, does it also apply for the mortgage required to pay for it too? HP, did you not? Did you not? see that coming i can't for the life of me understand what they were thinking so much so it it gave me a good afternoon's entertainment reading all the twitter responses <laughs> reading the twitter rage yeah i yeah, think that'd yeah. be quite fun failed social media campaigns would that be a good blog it might be a bit sad it would be a bit sad but i think companies often misjudge this thing it's a bit like xbox when it said uh, in its big press conference it made a big deal to the to the consumers it was releasing their new uh, console and they were like don't worry we've added more privacy protection so you can't even take your game to another person's house and play it you <laughs> well can only done. play it on your machine isn't that great well done and xbox com- <laughs> completely missing the mark of what actually it is that people want from their companies it's amazing oh. and I, I think it says something on a, on a slightly deeper level about the disconnect that people can have when they're making these things or either that or it's poor marketing team being forced yeah, to I sell the, mo- the dumbest products I do. anyway look. i think it's much more the latter like right we've got this really cool thing which is going to make us loads of money now you need to try and make it sound like a good thing exactly so look if you come across one of these a massive social media Media backfire. It always makes me laugh. You might as well send it to us. Flixandfilm at gmail.com at Flixandfilm on Twitter. Hey, have a lovely week. Thanks for being with us. I've got so much on the list. I'm going to do next week Shadow and Bone, um, a Robert De Niro film I hadn't seen before called Ronin, bit of a classic. Uh, and there's loads more actually, isn't there, Phil? Yeah, I'm going to be talking about, if I'm allowed to, if we can fit it in, uh, Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody as a kind a of double one. bill. Oh, yeah, I'm curious about the old British music scene on the old biopics and things like that. Yeah, it's good, and it's a few years down the down the road from Bohemian Rhapsody as well. So the kind of fervor and the hype has died down a bit. It'd be interesting yeah. to know your thoughts. Okay, have a lovely week, listeners. Speak to you soon. Bye, bye. Yeah, I, I think I was having a weird dream about Patrick Stewart, but as if he was Irish. <laughs> I don't know how to just <laughs> last night because I just had this sudden flash memory of talking about Paddy, Paddy Stewart. What does, <laughs> Why am I thinking about that? I don't know. What does that know. mean? Oh, he's in like the classic Irish Patrick name. It sometimes gets shortened at Paddy. Let's not talk about this. <laughs>